You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Captain, into the home straight. Margin again getting bigger and bigger. Sure thing, Captain. Oh, he's got a motor. Have a look at him go. Sure thing, Captain. Straight down to the line. He wins it easily. Up for second, Motu Cullen. Leander yeah, we're not quite sure how good this horse is. Shannon Price has got a massive rap on Sure Thing Captain. We know he was beaten at short odds on debut, but since then, uh, he's been really impressive. His two subsequent runs, he's by Captain Treacherous, and he runs at Menangle Crest on Saturday night. Sure Thing Captain from a good draw. Good morning. Yes, yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Well, Tab Bookmakers, they haven't uh, they haven't missed Sure Thing Captain. He's opened $1.65 fixed price, so... We ain't going to get rich by backing him on Saturday night to take out this feature in Sydney. So he's a clear favourite. My Alderman Carter sits on the second line of betting 3.20 and then we're looking at 7.50 uh, for Monte Albano. But it's all about sure thing captain there at $1.65. So it's going to be interesting there on Saturday night. You think he'll take care of them? Yeah, I think so. I, I think on what we've seen so far, it's only a very small sample size that we've witnessed. But... Uh, what we've seen has been very impressive. So, you know, it's sort of hard to gauge some of these horses. But uh, first thought, I don't, I don't think there's too many in that field that could have done what he did last time out. So I think he's the, the right horse. You know, I'm sort of surprised in a way with the price. I thought maybe they just might have, you know, shown Queensland a little bit of disrespect, but they haven't missed him. So $1.65, I think that's fair. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets any shorter come jump time on uh, on Saturday night, and we'll talk more about that on Friday with the boys, Darren and Ryan. Brendan Barnes is with us, Chris. Well, Brendan was in the winner's circle. He made the trip to Tamworth again last Friday night, their big feature race night down there, their Carnival of Cups. It was the Golden Guitar Race Night. They had the finals, they had the consolations, they had the Tamworth City Gold Cup, they had the Dash for Cash, they had a heap of features there. Not only did Brendan combine with Graham Dwight to take out the Golden Guitar, a $40,000 feature, they combined to take out the consolation as well with the Spondent. So they made a good thing of it, claiming the final and the consolation. Brendan joins us now. Brendan, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning, Chris. Thank you. A good night at the office for you guys there last Friday night. Yeah, for sure. It was um, it was very satisfying. It had been, it had been a pretty um, hectic couple of weeks. So, yeah, it, it sort of couldn't have gone any better for us there on Sunday night. Friday planning's night, think, been... Sorry. Yeah, Plenty of planning has been put in place for that that series to come together by yourself and Graham, making sure you've got the horse right, making sure you've got the right horse to take down. But he made a clean sweep of it. He won his heat. He won the final. Both times really impressive. Yeah, he was super. He um he sort of really come on strong since that last win he had at Albion Park. He um it was a, quite a few weeks. Uh, without a run heading into the Gold Nugget, and he probably showed he still ran a really good race, but he um, he needed the run under his belt, and he was he was cherry ripe for the consolation in the final. We spoke with Graham last week, leading into the final, and he said that victory at Albion Park prior to heading down. What was the the, the sealer for that uh, that trip? Fifty-two four. He was really strong that day, and uh, you know, despite being beaten in that Gold Nugget down there first up at Tamworth, he, he's just got better and better. Yeah, he has. Sort of prior to that run where he went 52, he was 
he was going really good, but he just kept having excuses every week. At the start before he got totally wiped out without the race, he was sort of unlucky every week, and it was just sort of a matter of we knew how good the horse was going. It was just sort of how good he could go if things went his way, and um, yeah, I think he's just sort of stepped up and stepped up each and every week. You were able to overcome a second-row draw there last week in the final, and uh, Graham was mindful that he wanted good pace. You got that, but uh, did it sort of go to plan? Is that the way the the, the race unfolded that you were hoping for? It, it ended up being a bit of a, a strangely run race. Obviously, the tempo was good, which really suited us, and then um, I thought it worked out really well sort of in the early stages when the one horse was sort of off the fence. I, I thought, oh, this couldn't be any better. We're sort of tracking him... I thought the ones on our back would try and get us going early and I thought sort of with the one leaving the fence it had to go whenever we wanted to go but um, there was sort of cat and mouse for probably 400 metres or so Cam Hart didn't really want to get going that early and were probably impeded for a run a little bit and, and they got going from behind us so we probably had to really to go maybe 100, 200 earlier than we would have liked and we'll uh, fall wide from probably the 500 around Tamworth which is never an easy thing to do so full credit to the horse he was super so were you at any stage worried there in the last say 200 meters one for the road he was sort of making that little bit of ground on you were you concerned at any stage over the last 200 i was sort of i thought he might have been a little bit vulnerable just because we were, we were wide for well so so much earlier than we would have liked to have been but um i think just when we when we pulled out and asked him to let down he, he let down really good and he got himself up and around them quite cheaply I guess and um, he sort of went from four wide to two wide in a hurry and, and sort of got round him and I think that was probably enough that one for the road he was still out even deeper than us and um, and we'd sort of pinch a little bit of a mark. Okay so is that the first Golden Guitar Series that you've competed in? Uh, yes it is I've, um, I've driven a couple of cups before I won the Tamworth Cup a, a number of years ago now but um, yeah that was the first Golden Guitar the Tamworth Cup winner that you had? Um, better than Max when I was based in Sydney, I made the trip up. Okay, so Graham gets his first golden guitar. Good trophies there as well for that uh, that race there on Friday night. Yeah, brilliant trophies. The one for the owner, trainer, and, and driver. It's, um, it's just a great carnival, really. They're a really good club, and they um, they want a lot of people there. And yeah, it's sort of it's really well supported by some good horses and good trainers. Okay, was there a good turn-up uh, crowd-wise? Like, it coincides with the big music festival down there, so do you get a few extras turning up at that big night? Brilliant, brilliant turnout. Pretty well, as, as good of a crowd as you'll see at any race meet Australia-wide, really. Okay, okay. Uh, Surface, what are the plans now, do you know? I'm not totally sure. He's still on a relatively good mark um, up here in Queensland, so I'd say he'll probably just look to keep running through his grades and hope he can just keep stepping up, I guess. Right. And Despondent taking the consolation. He scored a, a narrow victory, but uh, he scored a really fast time. He did his three runs down there were all super. He, um, I think he, his run in the consolation was actually quicker than the run of the Golden Guitar Finals, so, so I think that says enough for him. But um, Graham's done a super job with him in a short time. He's, yeah, he's given him three starts, and all three runs have been, been awesome. I think he lines up here on Saturday night. Well, well tell me this. If he had a sort of lined up in the final, uh, he wouldn't have been out of place? I don't think so. I think if it was if he was in front, it was it was a sectionally different race, you know, they went they went quite hard early in the Golden Guitar final, whereas Despondent was able to sort of dictate for probably the first 
oh, probably third of his race. He had it his way, which which helped. But the overall mile rate was quicker, and even his heat run was was quicker when he did all the work himself again. So if he had a gain the spot, he would have um, obviously pending draws. I don't think he's probably as fast or as versatile as Sir Face, but if he'd had it worked out for him to be in, in front and on pace, he would have definitely been in the money. Okay. So... By and large, really successful carnival, but you're not going to miss that road trip to Tamworth anytime soon. Definitely not. That was a, a very big 10 days. I think it was the three the three trips down and back in 10 days. So, yeah, quite glad it's um, done and dusted, but we couldn't have been happy with the results. Okay. You've only got the one drive tonight at Redcliffe. Race four, driving the pole marker here, Jellignite Jack. Is he sort of any sort of chance, in your opinion, here? Probably a little bit disappointing last start when we led. He um, he got a little bit too keen, but fr from the draw, I'm not real sure what tactics I want to take on him. But I think he, he might be better driven with a sit, in my opinion. But we'll just see what they've got in mind. And I think if he's if he's close enough, um, I, I'd probably be disappointed if he wasn't top four. Okay, and how's the weekend looking for you at this early stage? Um, yeah, I think pretty pretty lean to be honest. Pretty quiet, but. Um, I suppose it's, it's a bit like that. I've been sort of away a few meetings lately and sort of people sort of forget about you pretty quick if you're not at every race meeting. So, um, yeah, we'll just keep popping up and, and hopefully things sort of pick their way back up and obviously Graham's team will be back here in full swing again now, so that'll be a big help for me. All right, excellent. I really appreciate the time. Again, congratulations. Queenslanders to the fore there. Take the golden guitar at Tamworth last Friday night. To you and Graham Dwight, job well done. Thanks, Chris. There's Brendan Barnes joining us. So, uh, Surface taking out last Friday night's feature, a $40,000 race. And Queensland, by and large, has got a pretty good record in that race. They've been able to win it a few times. And uh, good to see that victory uh, headed our way there on, on Friday night with Surface proving too strong. Well, last Friday night at uh, Albion Park, we had a, a new race on the calendar. And I'm sure this is a race that we're going to see more about in years to come. It was the first ever running of the John and Beryl Dawson legacy. So all competing drivers for this race stem from the Dawson uh, family. So we had eight drivers competing, uh, good drivers as well, Talia McMullen, uh, Danielle Beaver, Chantel Turpin, Kelly Dawson, Trent Dawson, Pete McMullen, Narissa McMullen. So it was a good lineup of drivers and it's just fascinating when you sort of go through the family tree and, uh, how far and wide it sort of covers. It's not only here in Queensland, it also stretches down to New South Wales as well. First ever winner was Stormtide, trained by Donnie and Maureen Smith at Recliffe. The winning driver was Talia McMullen, and she joins us online now. Talia, good morning. Congratulations. Thank you. How did you find that last Friday night? Uh, this this new race on the calendar, it's a, it's a family race for your, for your grandma, Beryl. She was trackside there on, on, uh, on Friday night. So... I'm sure it would have been uh, a fairly emotionally charged night there on Friday night for everyone. Yeah, it was really exciting. The race was great. I think Grandma loved it and probably more than anything, it was just great to have all the family at the races and everyone come together. So that was really nice. Talia, how many generations does it go back, the, you know, just harness racing in the family? Has anyone looked into that at all? Um, I don't know. I think we're just kind of the third generation I don't think it goes back a lot further than that. And that coincides with the passing of your grandfather, John. So that was, what, 20 years ago that he passed. And, and, and Beryl still 
as keen as mustard watching the races day in day out she's always tuned into sky channel watching the action she's always watching the kids and the grandkids and uh it, it would have been really special to win that race with, with beryl being trackside yeah it was she doesn't um get to the races that much anymore but she loves it and she watches all of our races and always knows when we're driving and when we get a winner and if we're all driving and if we get a few winners then she makes sure she tells everyone and says like I've had six winners today or something when <laughs> all of us grandkids have had a couple winners so yeah she loves it obviously. Granddad passed she... when I was pretty young and I think um, it's probably made me really close to her so it was really nice be able to get the win there yeah i, I was going to say she wouldn't know where to watch it at the top of the straight but with all drivers being you know her family members she wouldn't know which way to go yeah i don't know i said to her oh who are you cheering for and she said she was cheering for me i don't know if that was um just she just <laughs> said that after i won but um or just to try and keep me happy but yeah she probably didn't know who to cheer for it wouldn't have mattered who won <laughs> Yeah, but there were some really good photos that were taken uh, by our, our course photographer, Dan Costello. Uh, there was one with you and Beryl, and uh, I'm sure that's that, that's a memory you're going to treasure forever. Yeah, definitely. It was really nice, and as I said, we don't really get a, a lot of chances where we all come together. We're all pretty busy, and yeah, it's hard to find time sometimes to all meet up like that. So even though it was at the races and all, I guess, working and doing what we love, but it was nice for all the family to be able to be there and have some nice photos and make some really nice memories. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. It was just a, a Friday night at Albion Park, but given the size of this family and uh, most, if not all, the tracks are there on Friday night, uh, it certainly gave a really good uh, atmosphere and vibe about it. So it was amazing to see how many people were there, though, Talia. Yeah, it was. Um, pretty much the whole family was there, so it was really nice and might have been the biggest crowd I'll be inside in a little while so yeah it was good apparently dan costello's yeah. retiring now because of the money he made out of the photos <laughs> <laughs> but it's a mark of respect though for beryl isn't it that uh, you know all the family wanted to be there and, and be there for her her special occasion yeah like she's just um the best grandma really and she still buys all of us presents every year and brings all of us for our birthdays and doesn't forget anything. She's getting older and probably finds it hard, harder, more physical things, but her mind is still so good and she's so lucky like that. And yeah, it's so nice to catch up with her as much as we can and be able to talk to her. So it's great. So she keeps a close eye on all the racing action. I'll extend that a little bit further. What about, what about the great grandkids now? Because we're seeing the next, the, the fourth generation competing in the mini trots now, uh, I call them, that they seem to be growing in numbers. So do, does she keep a close eye on the mini trots as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, she loves the great grandkids as well. It's, it's a bit odd, really, because I guess all the grandkids are pretty spoiled from her and and now the grandkids are probably even more, uh, the great grandkids are probably even more spoiled. But yeah, she loves it. Excellent. So you're looking forward to the addition for 2024 next year. This is something that should get bigger and better. Yeah, hopefully. It's pretty special and um, she loves it. And I'm sure if Grandad was here today, he would be so proud of all of us as well. And yeah, it's pretty special that 
that's like everyone in the family really has some sort of involvement. Yeah. We spoke with Trent last week, Trent Dawson, and uh, the colours that he wore in that race on Friday night, are they the, are they the, the, the family colours, are they? Yeah, they were Grandad's colours, and I think um, Uncle Jeff used them on a fair few of his horses when he first started training. But, um, yeah, they haven't really been worn in quite some time. I hadn't really seen them before. So it was nice that Trent worn the, got to wear them. And I think um, every year one of us will wear them. We said maybe the person who won it um, the year before gets to wear the, um, Grandad's colours the next year. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. So you'll be uh, you'll be donning those colours next year. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the plan. Okay, and just on the the, the size of the family, like harness racing is a family sport. There's no question about that. Have you sort of looked at other families in and around the country? But do you think one of your or your family is one of the biggest going around? Um, yeah, it's pretty big. I think obviously, like the Turnbulls are probably. Um, they've got yeah. such a large family, probably pretty similar. But um, I guess harness racing is one of those sports that it is a pretty big family involvement. And I guess it's pretty easy to fall in love with it. And from a young age, you kind of just get dragged out there and in some way don't have a lot of choice. Um, but no, it's really good. And yeah, probably not a lot of other sports that I guess everyone shares a love for it like they do in harness racing. Yeah. Well, you're only 21. So what age did you first sit behind a horse? Um, when I was like first, like probably around eight or so, I did not want anything to do with horses. I think um, being the youngest, I kind of got dragged out there a bit and I just didn't want to be involved with them. So, but then I think probably it was only for a few years and probably around the age of 11 or 12 that I decided no, I was doing it and got back into the pony trots and then um, had a couple horses that were probably pretty slow, but they were my favourite ones and I would work them. I think I was probably 12 when I first drove a big one, so I was probably a little bit older than um, the rest of my siblings, but yeah, still pretty young, I guess. Okay. What about Big Brother Pete? How old do you reckon he was when he first sat behind one? Uh, he was pretty young. I'm not exactly sure, but I have a feeling he might have been like five or six and working big horses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mentioned that you went through the minis, and I, I remember calling you in the, in the minis. So once you sort of got back into it, uh, you were bitten by the bug. Was there any sort of stage during, you know, late in schooling that you thought, maybe, maybe not this is the future for me? Uh, not really then. I kind of just didn't, yeah, have a lot of interest, I guess, in the sport. And probably what drew me in more so was just the love for horses. Like, I think Peter, he loves horses, but more so he really just loves racing and getting out there and just wanting to win. And I probably more so love the horses more, and that's what made me fall in love with it. And I think you get a couple horses that are pretty special and you just love them and form a bond and you just don't really see yourself doing anything else. Mm. And, and testament to that, uh, you and your partner, Trent Leatherby, you've got your own small team. When you guys present them at the races, they look immaculate. Thank you. Yeah, I, we do put a lot of effort in and time and money and I take a lot of pride in that. And 
sometimes I get carried away and put a braid in their tail or something and Trent said you don't need to do that but I'm like no I put pride in it and I want to be seen and I want them I want other people to look at them look at my horses twice and think that they look good so it's nice to hear that because we do put a lot of time in and you want them to do the best they can. Yeah, well, it certainly doesn't go unnoticed, that's for sure. So congratulations taking out the uh, the first ever edition of the Dawson Legacy, and here's hoping you can do it again next year. There's no reason why you can't win it again next year. Thank you. Hopefully I can go back to back. Yeah, absolutely. You've got a few drives tonight at Redcliffe. I'll just go through them quickly. You lit up the toe board last week with Melton Christmas Girl. She went off at huge odds. She's likely to be long odds again here. She is rising in grade, but is she any sort of hope again? Well, she went pretty good last start. If she produces something like that, then I think she could be a sneaky chance, but it is a tougher race tonight. So it'll be interesting to see how she handles um, the next kind of grade up. Okay. But she didn't shock you last week? Um, she did a little bit. Um, Dad, Dad said after the race that he knew that she'd just be winning, but he said that about a few of them. But, yeah, he, um, he said, oh, I thought you would have just led and then you got behind a hundred dollar shot and I thought well I was a hundred dollar shot too so I wasn't <laughs> driving too confident. Uh, well hopefully uh, Beryl had a dollar each way on that one last week. What about uh, race three tonight after dark inside of the second row is that the right draw for a horse like this? Oh I think that if the one got her to the sprint lane and she gets a nice run then I definitely think she can win so I'm hoping the one holds up and she gets a nice trip she was just luckless last start. Okay race five again you've got the same drawer inside of the second row here with Square Dealer he, he's he's just bursting to win a race this horse. Yeah he was really good um, last prep and was a bit unlucky. I think he loves it when he gets tucked away on the fence. I probably see him being three fence in that race, but um, he'll be looking for gaps late. Okay, race six tonight, Yarraman Needy. Good effort last time out when play, so signs of improvement. Yeah, he's probably got the ability to win, but he still wants to run around a lot and learning how to race, so that's probably the worst thing about him, but hopefully... He's getting there and puts it together shortly. Okay, race seven tonight. Feel your way. A winner last week. Uh, can feel your way go back to back? It's probably a little bit stronger race, but I think she'll run a pretty nice race and go close again from the draw. All right, race nine. Do little days. Drawn out in gate five, but she was a winner three runs ago. So that gives us some sort of chance here. Yeah, I think it's a, a little step up in grade as well. Um, when the last one, I think it was the one win race, but um, it's racing pretty good and just had a trial and trialed okay. So I think probably needs the run and looking for luck this week, but probably one to look out for going forward. Okay, in the last race tonight, I'm keen to sort of get your thoughts here. Certainly call it in, draws the inside gate, fourth run back, place last time out. Looks like it's improving all the time. But you've been with DC Rock and uh, you know, pretty much all the way through the trials, the races. So was that a tough call to make, you know, picking which one you were going to drive here? Yeah, it was. I really liked DC Rocking. And I think if the draws were the other way around, then I definitely would have stuck with him. And I think he's one that will continue to improve. But I've really been liking the way that certainly Cool It In has been racing. I thought his last couple starts, he hit the line really good and seems to be improving. And then 
when he got the one draw, I thought he was a pretty good chance and um, should run a nice race tonight. Okay, so we've got to be patient. The last race, is that your best hope? I think so. He's been racing well and should have his chance from one. He hasn't had a great deal of starts, so he's still learning. But if he does everything right, I think he's a pretty good chance. Busy night for you tonight. number of drives in there all night long. Yeah, they're, they're late nights. Lucky I've got tomorrow off, which is good. Excellent. Hey, again, I really appreciate the time. Congratulations last Friday night. We'll see you trackside. Thank you. See ya. Here's Liam McMullen joining us, Steve. So taking out the first ever Dawson Legacy there last uh, Friday night at Albion Park. And uh, as I said, new race to the calendar in 2023, racing Queensland Albion Park on board with it. And I'm sure it's only going to get bigger and better as, uh, as the years go by. This man's been on holidays for the last couple of weeks, but he's back on deck. So he's fresh fired up for a big 2023. And uh, he's making some big claims as well, uh, Steve, uh, in particular with your horse. Captain Ravishing. Is he he's potting engaged. it? Well, not in, he's not potting it, but he's just engaging in a war of words with a Victorian <laughs> uh, journalist down there. So he can tell you what he's saying and what he's prepared to do. So, Darren, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Chris. Morning, Steve. What are you going to do? Tell, him about the, tell us about the argument. Well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Leap to Fame, as you well know, and I think he's the best horse, which we saw in the Victorian Derby. And Jason Bonington down in Victoria, one of our esteemed colleagues, he's he's squarely in the in the court of Captain Ravishing. So I've just thrown down a challenge to him and said, maybe when the next time the two horses clash, we actually have a race ourselves. Go what on. did he say to that? <laughs> Well, he he's claimed that uh, he's all on it. He wants to start off equal marks, but uh, I haven't read the form guide too much on his efforts, but uh, I've seen him in action around the track. I think I'd be pretty confident that I've got him covered. So a running race? I th oh, well, that's what I'm assuming it is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm open to any sort of, uh, any sort of race we How might far? be able to. Well, Standing start or mobile? I think maybe maybe a mobile start. I'd, I'd be happy to go over a mile, though I think that's my, my pet distance. So he might, he might be uh, struggling after a mile. I don't know. Well, Steve, let me just bring you up the speed here. The trial yesterday, Captain Ravishing uh, up against Supreme Dominator 40 Thieves about time. He beat them by 40 metres. He went 154.2 for 2,200, ran his last mile and 154.3 half in 55.8, last quarter in 28.3. He looked pretty sharp there yesterday. Well, that's the thing about him, Chris, and that's why he's captured a lot of the imagination of not just, you know, just people in general, because when he's won a couple of those races, he has been absolutely explosive, hasn't he? And plus oh, some of the absolutely. calls, you know, from Dan Malecki that go along with those wins as well. So it gets the hairs and the back of your neck standing up and so on. Mm. So he'll start in the uh, Bonanza, so that comes up on uh, Saturday week, isn't it? So same night as the Hunter Cup, so... Won't be long before he's back in uh, in racing order, so we'll look forward to it. Did you catch the uh, the action from that trial there yesterday, Darren? Yeah, so there was there was two good trials there yesterday. Two very impressive horses from the Dixon Stable. Um, the first one, Governor Jujon. Um, I, I thought we stepped away from a, from a standing start over thirty metres, so he was he was good there. Um, just going back, sorry to that Captain Ravishing trial. Yeah, I did see that trial. It was probably. <coughs> 
it's probably not much more than a track hit out for him because he was never pressured or, or had a horse anywhere near him at any stage, did Captain Ravishing. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much he could take out of that as an actual trial, more just a, a good solid workout with some really sharp sections. So um, I'm sure they'll be going into that race full of confidence at Bonanza and um, he really does look where the mile is is his bread and butter I think where we're going to see him where he can really use that explosive speed so um, that's Captain Ravishing like I just mentioned Governor Jujon back at the, the Albion Park trials yesterday um, yeah he was good he finished off nicely not asked for too much but did it well fit 28.5 28.8 closing out how did he look I know he wasn't competing against much there a couple of trotters there chris did he did he look good no he, he was good and you know like 12 months away from the racetrack as well his last start was what uh, january 29 last year uh but he, he always sort of holds himself in a really good order he's not a big horse but he's not a a, a chunky horse either so he looked in in really good shape there yesterday so i'm sure they would have been really happy with that performance um, it'll be interesting to see which way they sort of go. Uh, obviously, they'll probably want another trial under his belt before they look at a race return. But as far as big race targets, I'm not sure what they're sort of contemplating, but it'll be interesting to follow uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, certainly. We, he has to come back pretty much in open company. He's a uh, winner of 22 races over $400,000. And, of course, he was a, a Victorian derby winner himself or... Um, runner-up in the Victorian Derby, I should say, back in 2020 behind line-up. So, um, He'll be a good addition to the free-for-all ranks, though, up here. Yeah, he certainly will. And um, not not knowing too much about his injury concerns, he did have a, a fairly long layoff uh, earlier in his career as well. So um, provided he stays sound, uh, he's, yeah. going to, he's going to really measure up. And um, the other one at the trial from the Dixon Stable is probably their second string now four-year-old, three-year-old last year, but he's a Group 1 winner in his own right. Tim's a trooper, and he looked pretty good from a wide draw yesterday. Yeah, he was awesome. Led all the way. 27-5, 29-9, 27-8, 27-9. So judging by the way he was driven in that trial and, and the way that Grant went about it with Tim's a trooper, I'm tipping they're taking him straight to Sydney for a shot at the Chariots of Fire. Why not? Um, Leap to Fame's not going there, so it gives Tim's a trooper a, a great opportunity to grab another Group 1. It's going to be tough when you're likely to face Captain Ravishing, but he, he's just all racehorse, this guy. He's a quality horse. Yeah, he sure is, and he's just probably a little bit unlucky. He's, he's bumped into a, a, not only another strong three-year-old in his year, um, but also his own stable. So um, they've tried to keep him apart as best they could. Um, you know, he's a he's won over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars himself. So it'll be interesting to see if he does go straight to that chariots of fire. They've probably got a couple of uh, horses that are probably be on that truck uh, heading down to to Sydney to Menangle. They'd have uh, cheerleader, a possible Oaks Hope. She steps out mm -hmm. for a first race this Friday. Um, Bold Medley Jujon wasn't overly impressive, but did what he had to yesterday. He got. Uh, Nearly got caught out by a, a back straight move on Bronski Delight, but uh, he rallied back and was able to win. So um, he's another that could possibly be on a New South Wales derby pale. A roader. Um, yeah, certainly building a strong stable again um, this season. So 
Um, yeah, plenty of quality horse flesh in the Dixon stable. Just on Leap to Fame, is, do we know what his program tentatively might look like at this stage? Will we see him in March at the trials? Oh, I would say so. I think that's what they were talking about, a, a March return. So um, I would say, yeah, they'd be looking at a couple of races. The Rising Sun comes up in early July, so that's obviously going to be a, a focus race for him. And then uh, the Eureka's not until the first weekend of September. So um, it'll be interesting to see how many runs they want to give him before, you know, the, the rising sun. So, yeah, I, but I'm not I, sure. Yeah, finding a race for him too at that point will be probably be a little bit of a tricky point. He'll probably, but, um, you know, he'll step up against open company or not so much open company, but sort of, um, you know, metropolitan company at least. Um, the other big thing... I, He's got the Inner Dominion next year, and um, I think missing the Chariots and this early season might really be a blessing in disguise longer term in this this year. So it's not until December, and you know he'll still be a four-year-old, but under the old sort of breeding scale, he will be a five-year-old, and that's normally when they step up. So there's plenty of options, that's for sure, even though he is missing the Chariots of Fire. But, but it's the right move. Chariots of Fire is worth two hundred thousand, and then you look at the Rising Sun; it's worth four hundred. Uh, Inter Dominion's five hundred, and then you got the Eureka with what two point one million dollars. So uh, it's the right race to miss if you're going to miss one. Yeah, that's for sure. And um, you know, it's allowed him then to have that really good break um, yeah. across season, across the summer, and you know, probably really develop out into into the Grand Circuit. Uh, star that we're hoping he, he fills into. Mm. And just out of that Tim's a Trooper trial yesterday, I thought Scarlet Babe trialed really good. That was her first start since the, the, the Group 1 Golden Girl back during the Winter Carnival. Hit the line really good. She's got wicked speed, that mare. And I thought the Trotter Majestic Harry uh, first hit out since the Inter Dominion Grand Final. He was only beaten just on 18 metres there, and he was used off the gate there, Darren. And 52.9... And I'd love to know what his own time was. I reckon he's, he's gone a super trial there. So do they take him back to Melbourne? Is he getting set for the Group 1 Southern Star down there? Or I'm not sure what pl programming uh, they've got in place for Majestic Harry, but that was a nice trial. Yeah, it certainly was. And like you say, that's really good time around Albion Park when you look at the fact that the... Um the, the Trotters' track record is about 155 and 5, I think. So, um, you know, he's he's done pretty well himself. His own individual time would have broken that track record, yeah. Chris. He's gone 154.2 himself in that trial. So, um, yeah, he's, he's ready to return. He's taken no ill effects, it would seem, from that uh, Inter-Dominion campaign. And, um, yeah, it'd be really good if they, if they take him back on the road again and, and have a crack at a race like that, I think... The um, you know the the short backup in in something like the um, the Southern Star would be you know in his favour. Mm. And just talking about the local free for all ranks, so we've got um, Governor Jujon due to come back, so he'll look he looks like he's going to be in open class company. Teddy Disco, Tim's a true leap to fame. They're all sort of progressing that way. One horse that we won't see, Darren, is Uncle Shank. Uh, he's been sold and he's gone to North America, so. Uh, They've still got plenty of firepower with Black Sedans and Big Wheels, but uh, they have uh, made the call to, to sell Uncle Shank, and his, uh, his future now lies in North America. Here's one for you, just on Peter McMullen. He's the, the reigning Australian driver of the year uh, for the past two seasons now, but he won it last year again in 2022. He's had three winners so far in 
2023. He hasn't driven a pacing winner yet. His three winners have been trotters. That's uh, that's an amazing figure, isn't it? He was able to win pretty quickly back into... Uh, he had sort of took a suspension and a bit of a holiday as well at the same time. So he didn't drive for the first 17 um, days of the year, of the year, the season, now that it's a calendar year season as well. So, yeah, he's always been good on the trotters, but... Uh, that's why I wouldn't have noticed that without you saying that, Chris. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. And I'm sure it won't be long before he's back in action. He's got plenty of good horses at his, at his disposal. So, um, But he's spotting Nathan Dawson a, a tidy start early on. So we know he's leader Peter. He'll, he'll have to show us what he can do from back in the pack here. He's uh, 23 wins behind Nathan Dawson already in the state premiership. Yeah, it's a fast start from Nathan. Speaking of Nathan, we'll see him in action tonight at Redcliffe. Ten races. We start at 5.17. What is your best bet tonight? Yeah, I thought we had to be pretty patient tonight, Chris. I thought the, the better action's later in the night. Um, race 8, number one, Fly Cheval. I'm keen on this mare. She's had a string of wide gates. Last time out, she was off the back row at Marburg. Hit the line pretty nicely. Like I said, gate improvement's all important here. She moves into gate one, doesn't look a great deal of pressure to her outside either, so thought she might get her opportunity. Race eight, number one, Fly Cheval. 2.30 with tab fixed price. That's the last leg of the main quaddie as well. What else takes your fancy tonight? Yeah, I just thought um, just one that is a little bit over the odds, I thought. I know it's stepping up in class, but it's in race three, horse one, homeboy. Keen to back it for the place, Chris. It's already it's still black figures the place. Um, he'd been going pretty well and then led throughout last time. Does step up in grade like I mentioned, but he's got gate one, so he's got the option there in the early stages. And uh, from that position, I think he gets his opportunity to certainly uh, push for the win, but but definitely a place hope. And I'm keen to play him the place race three horse one homeboy. Okay, two ten. The place currently tab fixed price for the win. He's trading at seven dollars. Quaddy tonight races five, six, seven, and eight. Throw some numbers my way, please. Yeah, I thought the first leg looked uh, a race, but in two between three, the Irish Eagle thought he gets his chance to go forward. He was good. Um, Four starts back where he's a winner, not too far away last time. Square deal is the other one. Um, if he did happen to be leaders back, if they opt to try and go all the way with the one, and Square Dealer got the passing lane with momentum, he's a huge threat. But probably three fence like Talia McMullen just outlined. That's her drive in that race. So three and seven. The second leg, race six, I thought there's a chance in three here. Uh, number two, Ignite the Fire, comes up in red figures here. Um, but she's a two-year-old, just having a second career start, taking on the older horses. So just prepared to perhaps take her on a little bit there. She was looming into the race nicely last time out at Albion Park in that two-year-old race. Number one, Mystical Charm. This looks her chance. Gate one, she's been runner-up the past couple. And three, Snack Time Rocks. She's not far away from a win either. So one, two, three. Third leg, race seven. Um... I thought this was a chance in three. I thought Hurricane King looked the leader. Uh, he gets to the front and able to, to sort of slow them down. He certainly gets a chance. Number one, feel your way. Last start winner should get that perfect trip behind. And number seven, Aurora Fig. He'll be second up in Queensland. This is a much easier race. 
than her last start where she was only two metres from Major Tra Lee. So um, just where it positions in the run from gate seven is a concern. So two, one or one, two, seven and the last leg. Uh, happy to play one out with my best bet of the night, number one, Fly Cheval. There is a danger, it's probably the stable mate, number nine, my ultimate Heston, but Fly Cheval for me. Okay, so your quaddy numbers tonight, three and seven, first leg, second leg, one, two, three, third leg, one, two, seven, and one only in that final leg. But if you were looking for a little bit of extra insurance, put in the nine, my ultimate Heston. Your best bet is race eight, number one, Fly Cheval, 2.30 currently with tab fixed price. And the other one that you like for the place is race three, number one, Homeboy. He's 2.10 currently the place. But if you want to have something on for the win, he's $7. So that's how we attack Rickliffe tonight. Ten races starting at 5.17. During your break, you had some success. Your horse, Graham Dwyer, Rock Hamill was able to score at Albion Park. Something there for you that night? Yeah, it was. I was a little bit concerned that um, he came up a bit short in the market, but um, I thought there was perhaps... Because going into that race, he'd only won the one race, so a um, little bit concerned at how short he got, but, uh, yeah, it was a good result in the end and good drive from that man, Nathan Dawson, straight to the front and held them off, and in the end, he did it pretty impressively. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly happy with that, and hopefully it's going to be a good year for him. Yep, absolutely. Just outlined to Steve what you were doing that night that Rock Hamill won. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what I could have been doing that night. Chris has been a... A lot of... Um, you were racing something, but just out of see what oh, you were yes. racing. Uh, that was that day. Like I said, uh, things are blurring a bit. Uh, I was. Uh, it was actually... I owned a treble that night, Steve. I had the had the horse win at Albion Park and, and owned a double in the uh, Balinese frog racing. Really? Did you get a... Did you back one of them? Uh, <laughs> no betting, unfortunately. The, um, there was a... Wasn't able to get on with the local bookmaker, although I was trying. But yeah, had a had a good bit of success. There was a, a good bit of money in the in the kitty for the two winners that I was able to to snare. So it was a big night. Yeah. One said you should have got another winner of the frog race, but it was a bit green through the race <laughs> away. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty. I was okay. a bit I was a bit green the next morning. Don't worry. <laughs> Sounds like an interesting holiday. Yeah, no, very good, very good, and. Good to be back. Good day yesterday too at Albion Park. A few winners is always a nice way to get back into the swing of things. Excellent. We'll talk on Friday morning. Darren, looking forward to that chat. Plenty to uh, discuss. Good weekend of action coming up, not only here in Brisbane at Albion Park, but right along the East Coast. Yeah, looking forward to it. That should be great. And hopefully the voice is not too croaky by then, Steve. <laughs>